Well, I was so excited to begin the show today, and James, as soon as we were about to crack the mics for the day, James said, hold on, let me take out my teeth, and then I was like, oh, wow, we are we are relevant, young, spry people right. that are educated. For but Florida. You, <laughs> for a retirement community. gangbusters in Florida, man. I mean, I would be killing it right now, like where, you know, in, in some retirement community in Florida. <laughs> I would call bingo numbers if I could if, if I was no longer allowed to do radio and every other job was taken I would I would call bingo numbers and work at a church anytime so 100% in fact it is in my strategic retirement plan to do something similar to that like be like calling those numbers or just like being the announcer guy for like something that I just have to read just because I like enjoy doing it um, yeah but you know what I think it's not all it's cracked up to be it's one of those things where you 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 know you glorify the bingo caller like, oh, man, that's such a great job. But I bet a bingo caller would beg to differ. I mean, those old ladies get really pissed off if you don't Whoa. read things at the proper times. Do they my, ever? Oh, my mom used to take me to bingo on a regular basis uh, with my grandmother as well. It's so fun. If anybody is naysaying going to bingo night, F you, because going to bingo <laughs> is so much fun. There, There's just an array of eclectic old weirdos there that are super superstitious. They have little trolls next to them. They have uh -huh. their little good luck charms. Uh -huh. Then there's the, the ladies walking around with the little... Um, like flashcards that you open up and they have different bingo numbers for all these little side games that you can win like $2,000 for. And these people spend money. Dude, it is crazy. And the whole like, like they have a special, like what is the thing that the, where you blot the blotter or whatever, where you blot the Dobbers. numbers. Yeah. Dobbers. Dobbers. Yeah. Yeah. Dobbers. And you got, but some people like, like a family member of mine is right-handed, but has to hold the dauber in the left hand because <laughs> the first time they won like a large amount of money, it was left hand. So they always do the left hand and they have their like certain games on the left side and certain games on the right side. And this dauber's red and that dauber's blue. And like, they'll sit there for hours. There's not even, there's a specific system to it too that I have not been able to figure out I my mom can handle I like 70 different cards at once. And she's just like dab, 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 dab. And then they're like, come on, go faster. Go and I'm faster, like one right. card in front of me. And I'm like, oh, six. You're like, wait, what? B, B, says. Oh, I and can't. then my mom will look over at my card and be like, dab. She'll dab my card because I've forgotten something already. Because you missed one. How she, yes, because I missed one. And then my, my luck is always so bad that I never win, but I also don't have as many cards. But you always see the same people winning over and over again. And then my younger sister, who many people know is my hot sister... She's gone like twice and won both times. Uh, of course she has. Well, I and wonder. One, no one else had a bingo. Twelve hundred dollar wins. And she, she's like, "Ding, I win." We have a friend like that in our group of on Friday nights. We have a game night, and it has turned into Texas Hold'em poker virtually. And we have a friend who just wins no matter what. When he goes to casino, he wins. When we play cards in person before pandemia, wow. he wins. Now that we're playing Texas Hold'em virtually. On Friday nights, he wins. And 
I, I don't I do not understand how this happens. This he is not like smarter than the rest of us or whatever. He just is like the luckiest guy. It doesn't matter what the game is. But something I have noticed, and I wonder if this is happening too with the virtual bingo players now, too. Although I guess you can't be aggressive in bingo. Like you just it is what it is. But I've turned into a really aggressive poker player when we do it for fun because it's just virtual and so I'm not feeling like it's real and it's just like you know it's fake money and like whatever so I'm like uh fine I'll just like go all in I'll just be like let it ride or like whatever and I'm like what am I doing I would never do this in real life right no you wouldn't but that's the thing about just sitting behind a screen is that for some reason you feel this anonymity that gives you power and makes you feel like you can be this angry weird crazed version of yourself that you can express without any kind of consequences, right? If you're sitting at a poker table or you're sitting at a blackjack table or you're sitting in bingo and you're going all in and doing all this crazy stuff and throwing your teeth at the bingo caller, I mean, that that will get you arrested maybe. But if you're just sitting behind your computer and yelling at the computer screen or yelling at, you know, Mavis 47... On 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 the way that she played that last Texas Hold'em round, uh-huh. there's no consequence. You can just sit there. All you've got is your dog next to you, going, "I love you." I love you. There, I that's just, the biggest consequence. I just want to be your friend, right? Right. I, I've also noticed this on. I have one game that I use on my phone. It's a tennis game, and it is my. I need to take a ten minute break from writing game, and I've noticed that people are are jerks. On this game. Yeah, man. And and in general, tennis is a little bit of an etiquette sort of thing. Like, people are generally really nice, and they're sort of like rules you follow, and it's kind of unspoken things and whatever. Nope. Not in the virtual tennis game. People are complete jerks. They play like complete jerks. They, like, talk mess. I'm like, no one talks this much mess in real tennis at all. Why are right. you doing that? Like, it's to the point where I'm almost like, I'm starting to not enjoy this game a little bit. Right. People are way meaner in any sport, I would say. Any virtual sport over an in-person sport. Totally. Uh, yeah. Definitely. People just let their freak flag fly. Well, we are going to let our fleek, fleek flag fleek fly. Fleek flag. I went on a friend date recently. I will tell you about that. I, I don't know if it's going to turn into a second date. I can only hope. Uh, we're going to ask the MP about our poop. We're going to do Just the Tip Tuesday. Uh, lots of young people watching old movies, finally. Ooh, so we've finally. got lots of things. Plus, it's Cinco de Mayo. Happy Cinco de Mayo, Hello. everybody. We're going to learn about that. So we've got all kinds of fun stuff for you. We will be right back with more Drop the Subject. Drop the Subject. The new Channel Q. It's Taco Tuesday. It's Cinco de Mayo. It's Tip Tuesday. It's one of the easier days to remember today. So happy Cinco de Mayo to all of you. We're going to learn a little bit more about the origins of Cinco de Mayo and how to not F up your margaritas because God knows you need them today. But <laughs> over the weekend, I I, I want to know from you, James, and, and from, from our listeners as well, if you've made any new friends as a result of this experience because... There have been Zoom meetings where there are people that I am meeting for the first time. And then, you know, you you meet them. Like, I have a weekly game night, for example. There's some people that I didn't really know in that group. But Mm -hmm. one thing led to another. And you're sort of bonding with these people over, over week, over week, over week. And I have never... There's one girl in particular that we had never met. I mean, it was sort of like online friend dating right you're in this chat room and you're like oh hey well we kind of are making the same jokes we're laughing and my wife and i are looking at each other going like oh you know what this actually could be 
a new friend. Who knows? Ooh, very exciting. I went on a, a friend date this past weekend and I want some advice because I don't know how to compare it to an actual date. I've never really, um, my wife and I kind of went on a friend, like a couple double date a little while back and it did not turn into a second one though. We thought we had a great time, but this, this weekend there was a, a friend that we had not met yet and we had just been chatting over vir- virtual game night chat uh-huh. and then we exchanged numbers Oh, oh, and, wow. Always, like, then, very exciting, right? Tingles in your belly and, and exactly. butterflies. Exactly. Like, do you want to, like, connect outside of Jackbox? And, <laughs> which is amazing, by the way. I love Jackbox. Which is good, yep. And so we started talking, and we found out she lives in Santa Monica, you know, here in Los Angeles, not too far from us. And then she just flat out asked us, would you like to go on a social distance walk with me? Oh, at night around my neighborhood and we oh. were like wow that's rather forward we haven't really seen anybody <laughs> i'm not right i wasn't really planning on this but I um planning on, yeah i'm really <laughs> i was planning on getting high and playing video games but that sounds kind of fun <laughs> but sure yeah sure. so we met her by her by her neighborhood we kept our six feet apart distance. This is an area where the, the sidewalks are very wide. The streets are very wide. So uh-huh. we have plenty of space. You by the flare. way, it's also, yeah, you could flare, but it also is a little awkward when you're walking by a different group or a couple, because I think they think that you're supposed to clump together, but we didn't know each other yet. So we were trying to clump separately while still maintaining <laughs> our distance. It was rather awkward, but, and this person is a, a single person and then it's you and your wife, right? Yes, so there's okay. three of us. Three of you. Uh-huh. So, so it- we we get there at around seven thirty, and we and she she very much was date like in the sense that she was showing us around, telling us about her life and her parents and her job and what got her into this job now. And then we got to kind of the main street area, and she was showing us around. Oh, this is this store, and this is this boba shop, and this is this spray tan place, and this hydration <laughs> therapy. <laughs> Injection place. Very Santa Monica, right? Of uh, course. Absolutely. Yeah. It was a gluten-free bakery after gluten-free bakery. Uh-huh. And then we were just talking for hours, and we ended up walking around at night for two hours Whoa. around Santa Monica. And what I'm not sure about is how do you end a friend date? Because there was eventually a situation where I was starving and my legs (laughs) felt like they were about to fall off. Right. And I was like, I don't want her to think that I don't want to hang out with her anymore. But also, this is a very long friend date. I mean, two hours of walking. It was sort of like that scene in Half Baked where he's like, I only have two (laughs) dollars. Why don't we go for a walk? And then they're walking forever. And then she wants ice cream and he's trying to scrounge up enough for ice cream. Like we ended up getting ice cream and then we just kept walking and kept walking. And and I was like trying to do the casual, where, where are we? Are we, where, where's your place? And she's like, oh, it's right back there, but we can keep walking around here. And I was like, maybe uh, we could and you're go. Like, um, or we could walk to our car. Exactly. <laughs> so I was like trying, I was like, all right, man, I think I'm done. Especially because we had our threshold is so much lower than it was as far as in-person conversation yeah big time i you know i wonder this brings up that whole thing about like your tolerance for 
friends or even dating when you're dating and then the things that you sort of decide like like for instance like you were being really nice about like ah it's time for the friend date to be done or whatever but if you really knew someone or if you weren't having a good time you would just be like I gotta go right and (laughs) so but because this is a new relationship I can't screw it up just yet right but I think that there are some points where you just have to be you know, I think when we're younger, we're all like, oh, no, it's fine. And you would have just stayed up until like 3 a.m., right? But then, and now that we are all older and we, you know, you are in a partnered relationship and this is a friend sort of situation, I think it there there's sometimes you just have to sort of like roll the dice and take a little bit of a risk. Like you just have to be like, you know what? I'm really tired. This has been great. We're going to leave now right. looking forward to next time and then just roll the dice on how she's going to react to that. Right, right, right. Well, eventually she was like, oh, do you want to head back? And I was like, yes, that would be great. But also, <laughs> yes. <laughs> y- you are right. I think that the quote unquote red flags for friends are different than the red flags for relationships, right? Some of the red flags can be actually kind of positives when it comes to, when you think of the relationship red flags, it's like daddy issues, they're clingy, they're telling you way too much information at first, you know, on the first date. Uh A little too Uh, eager. Yeah, a little too eager, exactly. So we kind of had those things going on, but I was like, cool, you got daddy issues? That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, as a, like for a friend, you're like, oh, this is going to be fascinating, right. especially <laughs> right. because like clingy, have at it. Yeah, especially in these virtual conversations, like you need someone to engage you because you're basically just staring at each other for like however long, even <laughs> exactly. virtual in person, six feet distance or virtually like, you know, like through the phone or whatever. I, I think this is very fun. And it's so, you know, we don't really make a lot of new friends as adults, especially us coupled adults. So I think this is really exciting. All right, cool. I, I'm actually a little excited and giddy. I've got butterflies in my stomach, but I will wait three days before I contact right. her again. <laughs> <laughs> and no no emojis in the first text and all those dumb rules, right? Oh, yeah. damn it! <laughs> Drop the subject. The new Channel Q. Drop the subject with Allie and James Simmons. You have watched Tiger King. I have watched Tiger King. Most Americans, if they had not before quarantine, have now watched the entirety of Tiger King. We talked yesterday about how Everybody is obsessively watching Shit's Creek and Tiger King. They were calling Tiger King a gay, get like a gay reality show. Not necessarily the case. R- RuPaul's Drag Race, that's a gay reality show. Okay, you'll know one when you see one. <laughs> right. I don't, shit's, they were saying Shit's Creek is? Yeah, I mean, it has some gays. It, it's... Gays love Shit's Creek. I mean, Moira Rose is definitely a gay icon. And of course, Dan Levy is, I mean, his character has a great queer storyline. So that I can get on board with way more than Tiger King. But right. Well, especially from a reality standpoint, like that's not. Yeah. But anyway, I get you. Tiger King has become an obsession and learning that it is already becoming a scripted series is really pissing me off. Nicolas Cage (laughs) is set to star in a scripted series centered on Joe Exotic, the subject of that you have the Netflix docuseries Tiger King. The eight episode series is being produced by Imagine Television and CBS. It will, I guess they optioned an article. There was a Texas monthly article about Joe Exotic And they optioned the article, CBS did, back in June of 2019. So they were already working on this. So there's a guy named Dan Lagana, and he is going to be the writer, the showrunner, and the executive producer of this. And 
Cage will executive produce as well. Ugh. And it's, it's kind of like, I, I mean, Nicolas Cage is cr- also crazy. Right. Not, not Joe I mean, Exotic crazy. I'm not going to say that. But like he kind of has mean, those eyes where you're like, okay, I can see the, that he could play that role. He's not that crazy. I, I don't know. <laughs> this dude is cra- like I feel like there's a little typecasting going on here. This dude is crazy, <laughs> crazy town. And you know there's like <clears throat> Nick Cage has all this stuff about how do you know he's the only person who's not a resident of New Orleans to have an above ground grave in there. You can still purchase those plots those like mausoleum plots and where Marie Laveau where she was buried and New Orleans has all these like very strict things about what you can and can't do and just because he was there filming a movie for a while he decided that like he belonged to New Orleans and so he like petitioned the city and did this whole thing and now he's the only person who's not a resident of New Orleans who is living of course to have a like a plot and it's like very it's like within I don't know you New Orleans listeners correct me if I'm wrong but it's in like within 100 feet of Marie Laveau's and it's like very prime real estate and he basically was just like I get to do this because I'm Nick Cage and he built like a pyramid thing like from one of his movies and there's this whole thing and it's like a big piece of gold to like I don't it's like a hot mess like this guy lives on a different planet which I think makes him perfect to play it does but it's it's almost like you don't want to you don't you don't want crazy to play crazy I want somebody who is not crazy who just seems like an unassuming person like Adam to, Driver to, to sh- play, yeah, to play <laughs> Joe Exotic and like amp up and really do a great job on how crit. Like Nick Cage is just going to be a psycho. He's just a psycho playing a psycho. And so I also I also feel like Nick Cage kind of plays the same crazy. Yes, like he's going to play his brand of crazy. It's not going to be yeah. Joe Exotic. Right. And I want someone to be Joe Exotic. Like if we're going to if we're going to do this, I mean, I don't I have a sort sort of some issues about supporting Joe Exotic is very racist. Right. Right. And this whole situation is all like racist and maybe pedophilic and like misogynistic, certainly. And but like crazy and like these like there's no doubt that Carol Baskin's probably a murderer. Like whatever. Like I don't do we really want to support this? But then if we're going to do it, do it right. Yeah. And I guess this is the second announced scripted series series about Tiger King. The first one was announced late last year where they said Kate McKinnon is attached and that she is set to play Carol Baskin, which I'm like, I don't know if I necessarily want this to be just made into an extended SNL sketch. I think that (laughs) it was fine the way it was, you know, why don't we just let sleeping tigers lie and just have it be Tiger King the docuseries. Uh, Why do we have to make it into this narrative dramatic type of thing and it's going to you're basically beating a dead horse. It's really exciting now and now there's going to be so many spin-offs that it's going to be like, all right, did you watch Tiger King the fourth reboot with It's going to yeah, yeah, with Terra, yeah, it's going to be this like remake after remake after remake. I I don't I'm not for this. <laughs> I think like I this is I feel like we almost had a chance to talk about this the other day and I we didn't go there, but this is a whole nother conversation. I know we need to wrap, but I I need Hollywood to come up with some original ideas. Yeah, think of something new. Find a different king. I'm sure there are others. Drop the subject. The new channel Q. Oh boy. 
I think that um, James is losing his mind. I'm losing my He's mind, and this has dropped the subject. And Allie's probably never gonna want to guest host with me again, or have <laughs> me guest host. I don't even know what's going on, but I do know Allie. You're a comedian, and I need to laugh. So do something funny. No, 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 no. Yeah, no, no, no you're no, a comedian, so like, like, make me laugh. <laughs> no, no, yeah, no, no, ready, no, no. Go. You know, James, I know you're saying this because we're about to talk about one of the most annoying questions that you get asked every single day. That is what we're doing for Just the Tip Tuesday. James, what's going on with my poop? Is that a question that you get asked all the time? <laughs> it's often a question I get asked, and I don't find it annoying, though. I, I don't, most medical questions I don't find annoying. The only ones that are, they're not annoying, but the only ones that are sometimes a little bit difficult is when, like, someone has, like like a mole that they've had for like mm -hmm. 30 years. And they're like, what is this? Is this benign? And you're like, I would have well, to test it. Right. Like, and I'm like, well, first of all, you've had it for 30 years. <laughs> so like, yeah. I don't, it's probably okay. Also, I don't, I don't know. I can't just look at something and tell you whether or not it's cancer. Like, well, I'm sure every profession has their share of annoying questions that come with it. But there is a, for just the tip Tuesday, we're going to share this list of some of the most annoying questions people get asked all the time and there are some specific ones there are some job interview ones in there as well because you god knows some of the most annoying questions you get asked are the ones that you get asked in an interview but we'll start off with the first couple here having to do with your height and i am a very average height so i never get asked about my height but you on the other hand are a tall guy so mm -hmm. the first two on this list why are you so short and you're tall do you play basketball those have got to be very annoying or even just being asked how tall you are if you look like you're over six feet. Yeah, right. Well, I, I dated for a little bit. Uh, actually, I think it was the last person I dated before I met Chris. Um, who? So I'm a good six to like six, two and a half, if you will, almost six, three, I guess. And the guy I dated was five, three. <laughs> Whoa, really? <laughs> so it was like a foot difference. Yeah, it was super crazy. And he, that was, he got asked that question often or just like so many short questions. And he, why he, are you so short was a question that he would get asked. Well, he got asked just like about being short, but he actually had said he's, it's been happening his whole life. He had sort of come full circle with it. Like he was sort of like, he was fine if people asked those questions. Cause he's like, I am five, three, like I am abnormally short. This is a thing. Right. So he was like super cool about it, but I am not even that tall. And sometimes I get annoyed when people are like, how tall are you? I'm like, oh. Right. And you're like, I'm just slightly above average height. I, right. And yeah. Like whatever. It's, yeah. It's funny because when you're tall, everyone wants to know if you play basketball. I will say that most of the people that I know that are very, very tall, like six, five and up usually do play basketball. Like the question is, yeah. do you play basketball? They're usually like, yes. Even though, even if they didn't want to play basketball, they were forced to play basketball just because they were tall but it sucks that there is no equivalent question to hey you're so short do you curl <laughs> do you do you do you wrestle are you a maybe, yeah. like wrestlers are good good short people are good That's wrestlers true. maybe are you you're a wrestler now why do you want to work for us is a question that gets asked in pretty much every job interview and the question is or the, the answer is always because you pay more money than my last job or because i have no job <laughs> so I don't know right. why. I mean, I guess it's to, it's like the SATs. What kind of answer can you make up that's going to be satisfactory? 
Correct for whoever's watching. And sometimes I think I would appreciate that. No one has ever asked me that question when I have interviewed them. But I think I would I would continue the interview and, and mark this person highly if they were like, because you pay the most and I need a job. Right. (laughs) Like, okay. Thank Thank you you very much. That is frigging fantastic. Yeah. If you don't drink and you you always tend to get asked why you don't drink, especially if there is not really a reason. If you don't know the person has some kind of a history with having a drinking problem or anything like that. I have a couple friends who just don't like drinking. And Mm -hmm. I know I've asked them been like, so when you're hold on a second. So when you go to a bar and everyone's drinking, you're not drinking. Does that bother you? Does it be, and like, I, <laughs> I'm, would just take this one shot. Then you always get peer pressured by people, especially I have a friend who has never drinking a sip of alcohol in his life. He's just never Whoa, done it. And so it's a topic of conversation all the time of like, why doesn't he drink? Are you sure? Why wouldn't you, you know, and I feel bad for the guy, but it's hard to resist sometimes. Another interview question that gets asked all the time, which is not really a question. Is tell us something interesting about yourself. I hate this question or this statement, whatever. I, what? I I don't know. I've actually had a really crazy, like intense sort of like fun and tragic and weird and amazing life. Like, honestly, do you really want to hear the last almost 42 years of my life? Or do do you just want me to be like, you know, I can triple my tongue. You know, like what? Like, what do you right. want to know? Like, right. And then it forces you to go over the Rolodex of your entire life to find one thing that's interesting about yourself. And then it, you spiral into thinking like, OK, like you have a million different things you can draw from me. I'm like, I don't know. I worked at the American Girl Cafe and served imaginary tea to dolls. Like, what's interesting? <laughs> like, and then like, if that's the most interesting thing about me, then what? Like, what makes me even qualified to be speaking ever? Cor- correct. Like, so I, yeah, yes. you you end up kind of getting in your own head about it. And yeah, anyway, it also often like during right and during an interview, like the most interesting things about me or the most interesting parts of my history, I probably don't want to share with a prospective employer. Exactly. <laughs> so then I just get paralyzed. I'm like, I don't want you to know that I did that when I was 27 years old. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> You're like, I thought I was an Egyptian princess when I did acid five years ago. That's probably the most interesting <laughs> thing about me. Um, before we get out of here, we're going to pick up this list when we get back. But when you get pulled over and oh. you roll down your window and the police officer says, do you know why I pulled you over today? That has got to be one of the most annoying questions. Yeah, you know what? I do. I do know why. It's because I was speeding oh. and I didn't use my blinker. And now I'm even more pissed off that you're asking me if I know that because, yes, I did know that. And I'm already kicking myself. So I don't you need you to do the same. To kick me again. Can we just like write the damn ticket? I was probably late anyway. Let's just get this over with. Yes. All right. More of this Just the Tip Tuesday. What do you do? What are your strengths and weaknesses? How many fingers do you see? (laughs) The questions continue. Drop the subject. The new Channel Q. Oh, boy. I think that... um, James is losing his mind. I'm losing my mind. And this is Drop the Subject. And Allie's probably never going to want to guest host with me again or have (laughs) me guest host. I don't even know what's going on. But I do know, Allie, you're a comedian and I need to laugh. So do something funny. 
No, 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 no. Yeah, no, no, no you're no, a comedian, so like, like, make me laugh. <laughs> no, no, yeah, no, no, ready, no, no. Go. You know, James, I know you're saying this because we're about to talk about one of the most annoying questions that you get asked every single day. That is what we're doing for Just the Tip Tuesday. James, what's going on with my poop? Is that a question that you get asked all the time? <laughs> it's often a question I get asked, and I don't find it annoying, though. I, I don't, most medical questions I don't find annoying. The only ones that are, they're not annoying, but the only ones that are sometimes a little bit difficult is when, like, someone has, like, like a mole that they've had for like mm-hmm. 30 years. And they're like, what is this? Is this benign? And you're like, I would have well, to test it. Right. Like, and I'm like, well, first of all, you've had it for 30 years. <laughs> so like, mm-hmm. I don't, it's probably okay. Also, I don't, I don't know. I can't just look at something and tell you whether or not it's cancer. Like, well, I'm sure every profession has their share of annoying questions that come with it. But there is a, for just the tip Tuesday, we're going to share this list of some of the most annoying questions people get asked all the time and there are some specific ones there are some job interview ones in there as well because you god knows some of the most annoying questions you get asked are the ones that you get asked in an interview but we'll start off with the first couple here having to do with your height and i am a very average height so i never get asked about my height but you on the other hand are a tall guy so Mm -hmm. the first two on this list why are you so short and you're tall do you play basketball those have got to be very annoying or even just being asked how tall you are if you look like you're over six feet. Yeah, right. Well, I I dated for a little bit. Uh, actually, I think it was the last person I dated before I met Chris. Um, who? So I'm a good six to like six, two and a half, if you will, almost six, three, I guess. And the guy I dated was five, three. <laughs> Whoa, really? <laughs> so it was like a foot difference. Yeah, it was super crazy. And he, that was, he got asked that question often or just like so many short questions. And he, why he, are you so short was a question that he would get asked. Well, he got asked just like about being short, but he actually had said he's, it's been happening his whole life. He had sort of come full circle with it. Like he was sort of like, he was fine if people asked those questions. Cause he's like, I am five, three, like I am abnormally short. This is a thing. Right. So he was like super cool about it, but I am not even that tall. And sometimes I get annoyed when people are like, how tall are you? I'm like, what? Right. And you're like, I'm just slightly above average height. I, right. And yeah. Like whatever. It's, yeah. It's funny because when you're tall, everyone wants to know if you play basketball. I will say that most of the people that I know that are very, very tall, like six, five and up usually do play basketball. Like the question is, yeah. do you play basketball? They're usually like, yes. Even though, even if they didn't want to play basketball, they were forced to play basketball just because they were tall but it sucks that there is no equivalent question to hey you're so short do you curl <laughs> do you do you do you wrestle are you maybe, go- yeah. like wrestlers are good good short people are good That's wrestlers true. maybe are you you're a wrestler now why do you want to work for us is a question that gets asked in pretty much every job interview and the question is or the, the answer is always because you pay more money than my last job or because I have no job <laughs> so I don't know right. why. I mean, I guess it's to, it's like the SATs. What kind of answer can you make up that's going to be satisfactory? Cor- correct for whoever is watching. And I, sometimes I think I would appreciate that. I, no one has ever asked me that question when I have interviewed them. But I think I would I would continue the interview and and mark this person highly if they were like because you pay the most and right. I need a job. 
Right. <laughs> like, okay. Thank, thank you. you very much. That is freaking fantastic. Yeah. If you don't drink and you, you always tend to get asked why you don't drink, especially yeah. if there is not really a reason. If you don't know the person has some kind of a history with having a drinking problem or anything like that. I have a couple friends who just don't like drinking. And mm-hmm. I know I've asked them been like, how, how, so when you're, at, hold on a second. So when you go to a bar and everyone's drinking, you're not drinking. Does that bother you? Does it be, and like, I, <laughs> I'm, would just take this one shot. Then you always get peer pressured by people, especially I have a friend who has never drinking a sip of alcohol in his life. He's just never Whoa, done it. And so it's a topic of conversation all the time of like, why doesn't he drink? Are you sure? Why wouldn't you, you know, and I feel bad for the guy, but it's hard to resist sometimes. Another interview question that gets asked all the time, which is not really a question. Is tell us something interesting about yourself. I hate this question or this statement, whatever. I, what? I, I don't know. I've actually had a really crazy, like intense sort of like fun and tragic and weird and amazing life. Like, honestly, do you really want to hear the last almost 42 years of my life? Or do, do you just want me to be like, you know, I can triple my tongue. You know, like what? Like what do you right. want to know? Like, right, and then it forces you to go over the rolodex of your entire life to find one thing that's interesting about yourself, and then it, you spiral into thinking, like, okay, like you have a million different things you can draw from me. I'm like, I don't know. I worked at the American Girl Cafe and served imaginary tea to dolls. Like, what's interesting? <laughs> like, and then like, if that's the most interesting thing about me, then what? Like, what makes me even qualified to be speaking ever? Cor- correct. Like, so. I- yeah, you you end up kind of getting in your own head about it. And yeah, anyway, it also it's already often like during right and during an interview, like the most interesting things about me or the most interesting parts of my history, I probably don't want to share with a prospective employer. Exactly. <laughs> so then I just get paralyzed. I'm like, I don't want you to know that I did that when I was 27 years old. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> You're like, I thought I was an Egyptian princess when I did acid five years ago. That's probably the most interesting <laughs> thing about me. Hey, um, before we get out of here, we're going to pick up this list when we get back. But when you get pulled over and oh. you roll down your window and the police officer says, do you know why I pulled you over today? That has got to be one of the most annoying questions. Yeah, you know what? I do. I do know why. It's because I was speeding oh. and I didn't use my blinker. And now I'm even more pissed off that you're asking me if I know that because, yes, I did know that. And I'm already kicking myself. So I don't you need you to do the same. To kick me again. Can we just like write the damn ticket? I was probably late anyway. Let's just get this over with. Yes. All right. More of this just the tip Tuesday. What do you do? What are your strengths and weaknesses? How many fingers do you see? <laughs> the questions continue. Drop the subject. The new channel Q. All right, talking about the most annoying questions that you could possibly get asked for Just a Tip Tuesday. We've already gone over many, but what do you do has got to be one of the more annoying questions. Not even just in a job interview scenario, but from family, extended family, uh, how is work, what do you do? So what is radio? I mean, I know that being in radio, the question that I get asked most is if I know Howard Stern. Oh, really? Oh, If nice. I know Delilah. Do you know Delilah? If I do a podcast. (laughs) Uh, uh, Oh, you're in radio. Uh, My neighbor's sister-in-law's friend's dog sitter's cousin's baby's uncle 
also yeah. has a podcast and you're, <laughs> and you're like, like no um, or god forbid you get in a conversation with someone who loves loves like old radio right and then they'll start talking about the station that they used to listen to all the time and the funny bits that they would do Aww. and like oh yeah they would bring these flowers it's, it's fun for like a few minutes and then they always want to keep telling you about the really old radio bits that happened in like the 80s and you're like okay this is great I'm going to walk over here now to the alcohol. Because <laughs> it's also like your work, right? Like it's also like as much fun as radio is. It's also work. Like it's a job. And sometimes people just don't want to talk about what they do for work. Yeah, no, I, I don't mind that much, but it is kind of funny. Uh, talk, talking about what other biz, bits that guys in Hawaiian shirts and they're in <laughs> who in the <laughs> 80s were in their 80s doing stuff on the air. I love um, this one. Um, why should we hire you? <sighs> You know, oh my God, like I get it that it's the, this is the last shot, right? This is the last shot interview question to be like, do the thing that makes you stand out amongst everyone else. Cause Oh, by the way, I'm interviewing 10 people for this job. So I want to remember you, this is your chance to be memorable, but it just is a complete setup for failure because ultimately it goes back to what we talked about in the last break. Why, why should we hire you? Because I need a job. I need, I to need a job. Rent. Right. Okay. <laughs> I don't, I'm not addicted to crack. How's that? Right. <laughs> Why should we hire you? I don't really do um, harsh drugs. I come to work on time. Right. I perform slightly above adequate most of the time. Yeah. Okay. And <laughs> like, I got a clean pee test. That's it. Right. Why is my son failing your class? I guess that's specific to teachers, instructors, so, professors. So passive aggressive. God. Why is my son failing your class? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like it's your fault. Like it's the teacher's fault, right? And maybe sometimes it is, but generally not. No. And then we got the next one, which is now we're just getting into offensive territory. No. Where are you really from? Oh, ouch. Yeah, I'm from here. I'm from here. Uh, I was born in Chicago. Yeah, but where are you really from? Right, so right. then are you asking me if I'm Chinese? Like, what are, what are you really asking? <laughs> right. Like, what, what do you really want to know? I actually love, sometimes I can be a little bit of a jerk about this one because people are like, well, no, like, where are you really from? Because I am a brown person from Nebraska, and that just doesn't like people. Just compute to people. Compute. Right. Cannot compute. So people are like, where are you really from? And I'm like, well, I don't know. About 465 years ago, someone stole my ancestors and brought them over here on a boat. Right. And they're like, oh. Probably Sierra Leone, Nigeria, something like that. Something like Western, you know, inlet coast of Africa. But I don't really know. Right. So I'm from Nebraska. (laughs) (laughs) And then usually that sort of shuts them down. Depends on how spicy I'm feeling that day. Oh, you're from Puerto Rico. When did you become a citizen? That's also a very annoying question, I can imagine. <laughs> That's so dumb. Uh, Puerto Rico um, is part of the United States. I was part, born a citizen. I okay. was born there. Yeah. Who um, are you voting for? Who are you voting for? Um, that's just bad form. I feel like especially now, I I just feel like it's becoming more and more taboo to ask people about their politics because it just opens up a can of worms that no one is prepared for ever uh-huh. why aren't you on facebook what interests you about our company blah 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 what are you thinking about how's the job going here's my favorite you're croatian no way can you speak croatian right now <laughs> Right now, in this moment, I know. I, know. I wish I what? could. That I wish that I could speak Croatian. I wish someone would ask me to speak Croatian. Totally. I will say. Also, I've totally been 
guilty of this one for sure. I, a person who started off as my massage therapist, but ended up turning into a really good friend when I lived in Chicago, uh, was Lithuanian. He also uh, was six foot seven and used to play professional basketball. So he got asked another of these questions too. People were like, oh, you're tall. Do you play basketball? And he'd be like, yes, I do. Yes, and I do. Also, he's Lithuanian and he speaks like five languages. So he, people would be like, you're Lithuanian. Oh my gosh, speak Lithuanian. And then he would start speaking to them in Italian. And like a lot of times people would just be like, oh, that's cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess any kind of unique thing you can do with your voice, right? Like speaking in an accent. Uh, I, I mean, I sing as well. So people being like, will you sing something? I'm like, uh, my wife asks me to do that and makes me cringe every single time. Does it make you cringe when I ask you to do Holly Hunter all the time? That one, it actually does not. Okay. Um, but it but it used to because you you have this pressure that you're supposed to like do it perfectly and then when people have zero reaction after you do it that's when it's really humbling when they're like huh they're like mm. and you're like yep I got a job doing that okay um, what is there to be anxious about or why are you anxious oh, worst question ever don't ever say that to anybody yeah. why are you so quiet. Uh, when are you having kids? And then finally, the most annoying question on the list, a list, uh, I mean, a question that's probably asked over and over again in one of the circles of hell, where do you see yourself in five years? <laughs> Hopefully alive, period. <laughs> Drop the subject. The new Channel Q. Drop the subject presents... News it or lose it. News it or lose it time. That's right. Drop the subject here. Allie, James, I've got ads on my screen, which means I've got some news articles up and ready to go. I have three titles, three headlines in front of me. James, you have three choices to make. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. That spells R-E-A-D. I don't know. <laughs> Why? Ready. Why? Ready. Why is a great question. Yes. Um, quarantine brain. It's happening, folks. Okay, here's your first headline. It still has to do with Tiger King. <laughs> Tiger King star Carol Baskin was tricked into fake interviews with YouTubers who were posing as Jimmy Fallon. <laughs> uh, hysterical. Let's do it. All right. Headline number two is not wearing a bra during self-isolation. A bad idea. It is not a bad idea. End of discussion. Lose Ooh. it. And then finally, headline number three. He, these are, we kid you not, actual questions that adults are asking Google about Cinco de Mayo. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. That's brilliant. <laughs> I love it. Uh, all right. Maybe this is just a reprise of the stupidest questions that a person can ask. But let's start with this. When is Cinco de Mayo? That is the first question no, that is no. very, very common you for lie. Google to be asked. You, lie. you stop telling lies and deceits, Allie. That's ridiculous. Oh, hold on. What does Cinco de Mayo mean in Spanish? <laughs> I mean, OK, there are some people who just quite literally have zero functional Spanish like whatsoever. Uh -huh. So True. Uh -huh. When is Cinco de Mayo celebrated in Mexico? Um, it's like when you're a kid, when they're like, what, what are they, what's the 4th of July in, in the UK? The 4th of July. Right, but I, <laughs> right, right, okay. Yeah, it's still the 4th it's of July. It's still the 4th of July, yeah. When is Cinco de Mayo celebrated in the US? It's another question. This, people are Googling when, these things, actually. Then you go to, when is Cinco de Mayo in Portland? 
Because that's the Cinco de Mayo hotspot, ladies and gentlemen, Portland. Uh, is Cinco de Mayo the Day of the Dead? Mm. Where is Cinco de Mayo? And is Cinco de Mayo racist? Yes. <laughs> Google's just like, yes. yes. That would be the best if it was just, right, if it just was like, ye- Yes, yeah. and also you're racist for asking this question. <laughs> no, I mean, is it racist, like from an institutionalized, like imperialized standpoint? Yeah, totally. Like, it's, right? It I think from that the epitome yes. of like cultural appropriation and like whatever. Um, if you have a margarita on Cinco de Mayo, are you being racist? Like, no, I don't think so. No, but if you're taking a big family picture with sombreros and fake mustaches, yeah, that's going to be some cultural misappropriation. Yeah, sure is. And then finally, the final question that is on this list is probably my favorite, and I would like to know the answer. Is Cinco de Mayo about mayonnaise? (laughs) (laughs) I had to pause. Because I was like, there's no way that this is actually a question. Mm-hmm. People, so mm-hmm. this has been searched enough in Google that is registering as like a top search. A top 10. Yep. Oh my, is it actually about mayo? Yeah, because they're reading Cinco de Mayo and they want to know if it's about mayo. I mean, I was when- just wondering if y'all, if Cinco de Mayo <laughs> was about like Hillman's. Or craft, like which date, like are we talking about what I make my tuna salad with? You know, when I make my tuna salad today, I'm going to put a little hot sauce in the mayo because then it's like salsa. And because, yes, because hot sauce and mayo. Oh, apparently we're vacuuming. I'm not sure if you guys can hear that, but. um, I I can. I can. That's your husband. He's doing, he's being a good little husband. (laughs) Apparently. So uh, on Cinco de Mayo, this is what you do in Cinco de Mayo quarantine. You vacuum. He's getting Taco Tuesday ready. I can't blame him. Yeah. All right. Let's move on to someone who has not been a good wife, Carol Baskin. She was tricked into a fake interview with some YouTubers. TV viewers, of of course, have been obsessed with Tiger King and uh, YouTubers Josh Peters and Archie Manners. They tricked several UK celebrities into doing fake interviews, but they wanted to see how far it could go. And uh, Tiger King's success made Carol Baskin a global icon. She famously was not giving any interviews, so they wanted to see if they could trick the one person that nobody had managed to speak to. They used audio recordings from real talk show hosts to make interview subjects think that they were doing a legit segment on a real televised show. What? The pair managed to trick the Tiger Queen by telling her that she was being interviewed for Late Night with Jimmy Fallon. What? They said, Carol doesn't do interviews, so we had to immerse ourselves in the world and work out the best way of approaching her. She turned us down multiple times, but eventually we managed to succeed. No and way. They said that uh, when the time came to talk to her, the YouTubers tested her audio, warning her she wouldn't be able to see Fallon during the interview. The interview kicks off with the voice of Jimmy Fallon saying, thank you so much for being on our show. We love you. How are you? No. And the care and her reaction was perfect. She had a good laugh. And once she figured out that it was a prank, apparently, so they did the entire interview and then she realized that it was a prank and um wait does she agreeing for this interview to be like aired on youtube now or uh i mean there's a little piece of it we tricked here we go hold on there's a whole 12 minute interview here it's the first public interview i've done 
So they have clips of her doing the interview and they actually put it on YouTube. Wow. That is, that's a lot of work. <laughs> yeah. A, Pranks are a lot of work. Yeah, that's true. They really are. Yeah. I mean, I guess if like you're one of those people who, if you're a YouTuber and that's your job, then this is your full-time job during pandemia. Just like other people are, you know, are doing things like trying to save the world. But, you know. You got there are people doing important things like trickle ca- tricking Carol Baskin. She's tricked many other people, so why not return the favor? Okay. Oh, well, it is a day belated, but we must get to the young people watching old movies because we did assign a movie to our producer, Jesse. Jesse, we have turned on your microphone for this segment, so welcome to the show. Thank you. <laughs> uh huh. Pause. So, so Pause. Glad we it's did. radio. It's no radio. regrets. Yeah. Hey there. And we gave you the movie assignment of, I mean, it's a big classic. It's a movie that I have not seen in a long time. It's a movie that I saw pop up on my streaming queue, and I haven't had the chance to rewatch yet, but Alien is an iconic movie. Did it win awards, James? I feel like uh, it must have. I think it did win awards, yeah. it. I know that it... You know, I'm going to have to look at that. Man, I'm going to... I know it won's like some film festival awards mm. uh, in particular, but I think it did win some larger uh, Academy Award for Best Visual Effects. There we go. Uh, and some Saturn Awards for Best Director, Hugo Awards, like some some pretty big one. It also like is one of the movies that was picked to be preserved in the National Film Registry at the National Archives in the Library of Congress. So like, because... It just, it like changed the genre, right? Like Jaws and Halloween sort of set it up. And then like Alien like finished us off with like, oh my God, like you can make an amazing movie that is also a horror movie that you're simultaneously scared, but like really into. So Jesse had not seen this movie and Jesse, you had the assignment to watch it over the weekend. But after that glowing review from the two of us, your reaction was, I didn't get around to it or I didn't feel up to it. Now, when you finally did watch it, did you enjoy the watching experience? Did you like the movie? Yeah, the movie is actually pretty good, a lot better than the one from last week, um, True Grit. I enjoyed, and Ellie, I enjoyed the like the score and the visual effects were pretty good. Mm-hmm. Did you find Sigourney mm-hmm. Weaver to be attractive? Meh. I keep, I keep thinking of her as now from like the most recent Halloween, so I kept seeing her as like old Sigourney Weaver. That's Jamie Lee Curtis. Mean, that's Jamie oh. Lee Curtis. You mean? Okay. Are, no, do you think that they're the same person? Was, I, I don't know who's who. <laughs> okay. All right. So um, just Jesse, just so you know, um, they're both avid listeners of the show. So um, yeah. So Jamie Sigourney, and Sigourney, sorry. Our apologies. You are not the same person. All white women over the age of 55 are not the same. <laughs> but they all are in yogurt commercials. They're, but they're all right. They are. Well, I mean, Jamie Lee does make bank from doing those yogurt commercials. Man, just saying. And she is regular, which is something we <laughs> a lot of people aren't earlier in the show. She is very regular. So, Jesse, did you feel... You know, this is something I'm very curious about. So as a youngster who has seen lots of other horror movies and like really intense, amazing special effects that we have now, this movie was groundbreaking in terms of its, I mean, it won the Academy Award for Best Visual Effects. At the time, no one had ever pulled off anything like they pulled off. Did you feel that sense of visual effects? Like, did you still think it was really cool or what did it feel cheesy to you? I appreciated the live effects and not having the full CGI that we have now. Um, I mean, there was a couple, there was one particular scene where Ash was discovered where they had his head like all off on the table 
and they switched over from like the wax head to an actual human and that that, uh-huh. that was pretty obvious but other than that i thought they all the effects were pretty good Okay. Now, now, what about that that the iconic moment, right? When the first alien like pops through, I think it's Harry Dean Stanton's character, mm-hmm. right? The I think he's the first one. The, the the alien like pops through their chest. Like, did you like? What'd you do? <laughs> like, I've seen previews and stuff. Like, I knew that was going to happen, so it wasn't a big surprise. I think that no. the feeling the of Harry Dean surprise. Stanton's and the alien the alien coming out of his chest is a little bit how this feels right now. <laughs> <laughs> Let's like just like ah, I wish I could just put it all back inside. Why, why don't we get to your official review? Because this is, after all, young people watching old movies. And I'm as much as I would like to go further in detail about how you felt about each scene. Let's just see what your 30 second recap was. Drop the subject presents young people watching old movies. So. Alien. Michael Myers' sister is a part of a deep space exploration crew. They follow a strange signal to a planet where one of the crew members gets his face sucked off by a spider octopus looking thing without any consent. Them and the alien come back to the ship. They hunt the alien. The alien hunts them. They mistakenly call Google Mother for some reason. Um, the cat causes a bunch of issues. Then luckily the alien decides to take a nap so Ripley can kill it. Everyone dies except Ripley and the cat. The end. That was Halloween. I mean Predator. I mean Alien. Yeah, Ellie. This has been young people watching old movies. I, yeah, I he is looking I mean, at you, not, kid. Again, it's it's pretty factual. I think you mixed up several one facts thing in there. Yeah, there's a couple facts that maybe aren't exactly right, but uh, overall, like it's pretty pretty good synopsis. <laughs> yeah, I mean. And, and the fervor and the passion that you have when telling the story is something that cannot be repeated. Um, well, I w- yes. Thank you, Jesse. I wish we could go back in time, but we can't. This has been young people watching old movies. <laughs> Here's looking at you, Jesse. Drop the subject. The new Channel Q. Welcome back to Drop the Subject on the new Channel Q. I finally have figured out where I am and what I'm doing and what time of day it is. <laughs> kind of messed that have up you? earlier. Or I, maybe? Mm-hmm. Maybe mm-hmm. not. I don't know. It I will guess go it away can, soon. You're like, Fleeting. <laughs> you're like quarantine brain and dissertation brain. And speaking of quarantine and quarantine brain, I feel like they are... are Policymakers, our law, our lawmakers have sort of just kind of like lost it, kind of like mm. everybody else. Mm-hmm. You know, yes, like, yeah. Everyone's gone Elon Musk. Every, oh boy, I mean that is a whole nother level. I, but you know, like our our good buddy Mitch McConnell has been sort of at level Elon Musk for a long time. That the guy's just completely lost his ever love in mind and he is now having senate return in person in the middle of a pandemic yeah i and there are mixed feelings around this i know some senators are going why why are we doing this this is very strange and then there are other senators going whatever i just want to get back to work i don't want to wear a mask they're not very comfortable so of course everyone's going to have their own opinions but 
I think deciding to bring the Senate back is just sort of a nod to Donald Trump to be like, I'm with you, buddy. <laughs> I, I think I think it is. And we know that at this point, Mitch McConnell will sort of do ever, anything he can to remain in Donald Trump's corner. I'm not exactly sure why. But listen, here's this is why this is significant. So it, it is the first like in-person held roll call since March 25th. But 13 senators didn't even show up. Okay, remember, there's only 100 of them. So 13 senators didn't even show up. And more than half of the members of the Senate are 65 years or older, which means that their risk of having complications from COVID-19 is higher than everybody else's and their likelihood to have a, we call them comorbid conditions or one of those conditions that has the potential to make you sicker with COVID-19, diabetes, hypertension, obesity, longstanding emphysema, things like that. Uh, yeah. They're, well, they're at higher, I, higher risk. Like, what the heck? Literally, Chuck Grassley from Iowa, who's the second oldest member of the Senate at 86 years old, wore a mask, but drove in from Iowa to Washington, D.C. because he was oh like, I'm God. not going to fly. But he's sort of like, well, as long as we follow doctor's orders, I guess I'm going to do this. Well, and what they're doing is they're going in and they're casting their vote really quickly and then they're leaving again. And it's like, can't you... I understand that it's important to be in the room to say yay or nay, but that seems like as far as the things that need to be done in person, one of the less important, like there's got to be a way to do that virtually. And the fact that they haven't figured that out is kind of like, isn't the Supreme Court hearing virtual cases already? Like it's teaching us that we can literally do everything virtually. So why are we reopening the Senate, especially when they're not doing Jack anyway? Well, I will tell you, they are not doing Jack. Almost. His name is Justin Alley. Oh. One of the biggest reasons that we're coming back is, you know, because the Senate Majority Leader, Mitch McConnell's judicial protege, Justin Walker, needs a confirmation, needs a Senate confirmation. And that, because we can't apparently change the laws to adjust for the fact that we are in the middle of a once in a lifetime pandemic or figure all of this out. So Mitch McConnell's literally having the entire Senate come back so that they can do the, quote, <clears throat> serious business of, of swearing somebody in McConnell's former intern to be promoted to the second highest court in the land. So, I, I mean, this is one of those things that we we have to talk about. What are the political issues that are going on behind the COVID-19 outbreak? The, it is completely dominating our news right now, right? Like COVID-19. However, this very specifically is happening because they Mitch McConnell and Republicans want advancement of as many judges as they can to occur while they still have control of the Senate and before the election happens and in case Donald, Donald Trump gets removed. And oh, by the way, I, I just want to remind everyone, you know, in 2016, during uh, President Barack Obama's lame duck year, the Republican-controlled Congress at that time actually motioned to not have any new political um, uh, judicial appointees. Do you remember mm, that that no, slick little No, I don't move? remember, but okay, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. So they wouldn't let the Democrats have, you know, promote any new judicial emplo- uh, uh, representatives or ju- judicial appointees, excuse me. But now they're doing it themselves and they're doing it behind our backs during the middle of a pandemic and they're bringing an entire Senate who are all potentially at risk for this. Yeah, they're like, crawl in, go, it doesn't matter. Right, just, just, just do our bidding. Go. And the hypocrisy of, of this is, I think, kind of what drives me crazy and Every single other company on earth 
organization on earth has figured out a way for at least a little while to do things remotely. How can our Senate not figure that out? I mean, if you think about the way our government is run and the way it functions on the on the on the whole, you picture one smaller franchise like the DMV, which is a government run operation and how impossible it is to get even your license renewed there. Mm -hmm. Then you think of that times a million. And that is how the entire government is being run. So the fact that you would even want like, like renewing your driver's license, that's like them being able to set up a zoom call. Yep. It seems like it should be one of the simplest things, but they're like, hold on a second. You have to go through press one. Now press zero. Now go back to the first, hold on. We'll do. And then you're like, ah, forget it. And then just just keep it the way it is. Right. Just, just do it. And once you get there, you know, then you're on hold for 37 minutes. This is all by the way, just, uh, as we wrap, I'm just going to leave you all with this. This is all while, you know, very quietly, the models that the Trump administration are using, by the way, are now reporting that with the new opening in states, they're now expecting a sharp rise in deaths to go back to the previous estimations for potentially as many as 200,000 new cases Ooh, by so June. Fun. By June. Oh, my God. And I'm not going to point fingers. I'm not going to mention any names. But some of these senators look like open cough people. Drop the subject. The new Channel Q. Welcome back to Drop the Subject with Ali Johnson and James Simmons. It is Cinco de Mayo, and we have a very special person on uh, on Zoom right now on the airwaves here of Channel Q. A while back, James, maybe two weeks ago. <laughs> two weeks ago, I think. Yeah. yeah, we had a guest on to talk about burritos. They were a representative from a burrito company. We had a listener who wrote in after that because the burrito expert was not necessarily an expert and they didn't really like the way that the subject matter was covered because let's face it it just wasn't necessarily historically accurate and so we thought that we would bring robert on robert's a listener of drop the subject welcome to the show robert hi thank you we were giving everybody a voice we wanted your voice to be heard we wanted to to set the record straight. We wanted to apologize for the misinformation that was spread about burritos because we would never want people to have misinformation about burritos. I hope you know that, Robert. Yes. <laughs> yes. yes. I think it is a really, uh, it's a really great opportunity to sort of get this right. That's one of the things that's really great. That's why I love guest hosting with Allie is that Allie screws things up just like a lot. And she's just <laughs> always ready to admit, I'm totally kidding. But no, uh, no, honestly, we just, we, we just want to make sure that, you know, there's an accurate representation and sort of a more thoughtful conversation about Cinco de Mayo and food and how those things relate and culture. And um, yes, there's fun and funny things about burritos, but there's also sort of more serious and like more like appropriate ways to talk about this. So exactly. um, we're really glad to have you on, Robert. Thank you. Thank you. You're, you're here with your husband, Keen, as well. And when we were corresponding through email, it seemed like you had a lot of information about Cinco de Mayo and margaritas and tacos, which it, it is sort of a trifecta today because Cinco de Mayo falls on a Taco Tuesday. So why don't we start with Cinco de Mayo and, and, and maybe a little bit of real history about either the taco or the margarita? So contrary to popular belief, in the United States, Cinco de Mayo is not Mexican Independence Day. That is later <laughs> in the year in September. But Cinco de Mayo 
commemorates a battle that was fought uh, outside the town of Puebla, which is on the route between Veracruz and Mexico City. And this was an early part of the second French intervention into Mexico by Napoleon III. France wanted to exploit Mexico's resources uh, and also have a foothold to exert French influence in the Western Hemisphere. So on May 5th, a group of uh, soldiers, um, smaller in number and outgunned by the French, succeeded in driving them back. Um, this is only one battle in the war, and ultimately uh, Mexico ended up losing this war, this intervention. But hey, it's a good party. So, <laughs> Robert, how much of this did you know offhand, and how much did you study? Um, offhand, is this knowledge that you rattle off every, every Cinco de Mayo. Yeah, I, this is great, though. Yeah. I, I, you should like at every like Cinco de Mayo festival or whatever, or, or you like celebration here in the states. I, I want you to bust this out because this is really, <laughs> really good. Because also, like you know, I think the joke is sort of that like. Us like gringos, we're always like, oh, it's Mexican independence. Right. It's not. And also, it's not all that really big of a deal in Mexico, or at least it wasn't, right? It, it's still not a big deal. Uh, it is a big deal in the state of Puebla, but it's not a, a big deal in the rest of Mexico. This is like a Texas holiday for Texans. Do you sort of understand how this like relationship to what happened with Cinco de Mayo. And I mean, is this part of me just wants to be like, oh, this was an opportunity for makers of margaritas and sellers of tortilla chips, like just a play, uh, an opportunity for them to sell stuff. Is that sort of your understanding of how Cinco de Mayo ended up having such a relationship with food? No, that is is accurate. In the 80s, you know, when Corona beers and Mexican beers started actually coming in, the marketing companies yeah. uh, started mm -hmm. Pushing Cinco de Mayo is sort of a way to familiarize, you know, Americans with uh, Mexican beer. And, you know, tacos had always been there, you know, in the background, particularly in the, the border states. But Cinco de Mayo as a holiday, it was really, you know, sort of a, a marketing holiday that sort of grew out in and starting in the 1980s. Now the stats on alcohol consumption during Cinco de Mayo rival Super Bowl. Oh, oh my gosh. I mean, yeah, I, I, I would say the two biggest drinking days with the exception of uh, St. Patrick's Day are probably Cinco de Mayo, the Super Bowl, and that like those are the and new year's i guess i mean really america just want to find any way to get we just <laughs> any <drunk>. any <laughs> all right when we get back we're going to get more into the history of tacos and margaritas and finally the margarita recipe to end all margarita recipes don't try this at home until you hear what robert and keen have to say we'll be back with more drop the subject after this Drop the subject. The new channel Q. Welcome back. It's Drop the Subject with Allie and James. And we're on with two listeners, Robert and his husband, Keen, who both know a thing or two about the history behind Cinco de Mayo and tacos and margaritas. Let's get into taco talk, shall we? What are the biggest mistakes people make when it comes to making tacos and how can people properly celebrate at home? Well, the great thing about the taco is that taco is very forgiving. You can pretty much fill a taco with anything. Some of the more traditional tacos, because you have to remember, you know, that when the tacos started appearing in Texas and California, the people that were eating them were laborers, you know, migrant workers, you know, that were coming up. Adventurous gringos would um, buy these tacos from the first cart ladies. They were known as taco um, chili queens. I'm sorry. They were known as chili queens. How is that not a radio DJ here on Channel Q? The chili queen. Uh, chili queen. <laughs> Ch yeah. Chili queen. <laughs> <laughs> or 
or a music band, or a music band. Yeah. Right. Right. Exactly. So, so the, these early tacos were were awful meat. Uh, you know, eyes and cheeks and just sort of all these these things that were like too scary chitlins and things like that. But for adventurous types, word started getting around. Hey, these things were cheap and delicious. And as the taco was becoming a fusion dish, American Mexican fusion dish, you know, that's when it started these. Other ingredients started uh, coming in, you know, like beef and chicken. You could do turkey. You could do tongue. Uh, oh, beef yeah, tongue that's is, usually yeah. what I do with my tacos. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually quite delicious. Uh, it sounds really scary, mm. but it's really good. Wow, why aren't people eating more tongue? Yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> it was these these really authentic, you know, elements of food because you know the best cuts of meat were beyond the price range of day laborers and you know migrant farm workers. The biggest challenge in a taco is is um, the salsa and spicing the salsa in a way you know that it's not law enforcement grade chili pepper spray. No, that's where I am. Like just <laughs> right pe- just pepper spray pepper on my tongue. Spray. I'm good. I'm just like throw it in there. Spray mm-hmm. pepper. What helps with that though is you have to be able to cool your quench. Like if we're just going full Cinco de Mayo today, by the way. So like there probably weren't margaritas just hanging around with these migrant workers and chili queens who were selling these things. However, I understand that. You and Keen possibly have quite the delicious margarita recipe. Is this, are you, are you able to share? Yes, yes, we can definitely share it with you. So the traditional margarita was probably, according to historians and accounts, was probably invented in the 30s. The, the traditional margarita was a result of uh, prohibition. A lot of people were uh, going over to Mexico during the early years of uh, prohibition in the early 30s to uh, drink tequila. And so Mexican bartenders uh, in restaurants and bars there uh, were whipping up new kinds of drinks. And there was a drink that was very popular back then called the Daisy. And Daisy in Spanish is margarita. So the margarita is thought to be just a variation on the mm. Daisy cocktail. And then later on, as it grew in popularity, uh, a lot of tall tales came up about how it was invented. And it seems like everywhere there was a, a showgirl named Margarita and a Mexican bartender, you know, they claim to have invented the margarita. And the margarita is tied to <laughs> Rita Hayworth. It's tied to Peggy sure. Lee. Uh, there are just a, a million stories about who invented the margarita, but it really started in the 1930s. But the traditional margarita, and I think everyone uh, today on Cinco de Mayo should really try making one because it is the ultimate margarita. It's how you judge all other margaritas. It uh-huh. is two parts Blanco tequila, uh, and buy the best tequila you can afford. It is one part Cointreau, which is a, okay. a French mm-hmm. orange mm-hmm. liqueur, and one part freshly squeezed lime juice. Buy the best limes you can, squeeze them, and make sure you salt the rim lightly, not too much, and shake the ingredients in a shaker, and then strain them over ice into a margarita glass. And you have the traditional, original margarita. One part Cointreau, one part fresh lime juice, four and parts tequila. tequila. Yeah, uh-huh. You just four, doubled up four, that. Five, <laughs> five parts tequila. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Yeah. And never blended. That's not authentic. I think we should definitely allow people to use this traditional recipe. We'll post it for your mixing pleasure today. So you can try your own margarita, try your own daisy rather. 
And Robert and Keen, I hope that you'll forgive us for that burrito interview. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. No hard feelings, correct? <laughs> no, 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 not no, at no. all. No. Uh, but can I add just one thing? Yeah. Um, for anyone who's interested, um, you know, while we're on lockdown on Cinco de Mayo, they want to have a Mexican themed uh, day, you know, not just food and drink, but also entertainment. There is a movie from 1939 starring Betty Davis um, and Paul Mooney called What Is, and it's the basically about the aftermath of Cinco de Mayo when the French had taken over Mexico and they in- installed Maximilian I as the, the puppet government. No way. All right. Well, then you've got your day set, people. You can make some tacos, as we've learned today. And Keen gave a perfectly wonderful recipe for a traditional margarita, a.k.a. a daisy. And you've got some entertainment. I don't know what else you could ask for. Plus, we definitely need another movie to assign Jesse. So this will be perfect. Yes, something this from is perfect. From something from the 30s. <laughs> Thank you, Robert and Keen. Happy to Mayo. Drop the subject. The new Channel Q. Man, you know, yesterday we were having a conversation about what is that one song that you would be able to listen to for six hours on a loop. James, you said there was a Daughtry song that you've been listening to over and over again as you write your dissertation shh, to get your doctorate. Allie, Allie mm-hmm. shh, shh. What? Don't interrupt the, the, the man, the legend. Oh, oh <laughs> So this is the song that you've listened to for six hours straight. Allie, Allie, Allie. Don't interrupt a masterpiece, Sorry. Allie. Six hours straight. Even last night, I like fell asleep. I woke up this morning. It was back on. Like all Daughtry, all day. Oh, man. And he was on The Masked Singer. Okay. Oh, yeah, that's right. The question I, I posed this question on Twitter yesterday, not thinking I would get much of a response, just saying, oh, I don't think I could listen to any song for six hours on a loop. What about you? If you could, what song would it be? There have been a lot of responses, so I think it's important that we go through some of these because, honestly, the opinions are all over the map. The most, one of the more peculiar ones would be a six-hour... Someone ever told me that they were going to take away my black card was when I could recite the lyrics to a Rick Astley song. Well, looking at the music video, this guy is as white as it gets. I, I Rick Astley is the whitest person alive. But come he on, really never going to give you up. That song is legendary. I don't care who you are. Exactly. Um, let's see. We've gotten now somebody you agreed with somebody else's response monica rick said love this question first songs that come to mind are sia's breathe me or sneaker pimps six underground and you had a sia song that you would listen to on repeat totally six underground by the way sneaker pimps also like would climb the list for me but this is my six hour sia song i think this was just from like two years ago i was doing this Okay, but I'll do this music video. Yeah, yeah. I'll take this music video any day, and I'll take a- any Sia music video any day. I've the amount of times that I've gotten really wasted and watched the Chandelier YouTube video <laughs> and tried to dance to it and like gone all over the couch and done those weird facial movements in the uh-huh. hallway. I mean, uh-huh. that's just that's just a Saturday night. That's a good that's a good ass time. It, it is a good ass time. I love the uh, E R D E writer Erd writer maybe also said basic. Basically, anything but tub thumping by Chumbawamba, <laughs> which then even bringing that up 
put it in my head the rest of the day yesterday. I would like... <laughs> I would like to meet anybody who would listen to Chumbawamba for more than four minutes. <laughs> and like willingly, right? If they weren't being like waterboarded. Yeah, right. <laughs> Booze Babe on Twitter said, intro by the XX. This is what this sounds like. And this song, I just want to let you know, is apparently 10 hours long. <gasps> If you want to listen to one song for 10 hours, I cannot get down with this type of music. I could maybe do some weird movements to it in my living room for a little while, but I don't Hold think I'd be able to listen there's, to this for that long. There's a 10-hour loop version on YouTube, and it never gets old. Okay, booze babe, I think I might uh, be down with this. I might have to put that on in the background and see how well it helps me write. Yeah. And then finally, another, I mean, I know we have to go. There have been a lot of submissions, but SpongeBob Music, Kelpie G, this is uh, good jazz. This is just Kelpie G jazz. SpongeBob. Oh, Kelpie G, as in like Kenny G. Got it. Sorry. I literally used to watch SpongeBob, and I'm just now getting that. How? Wow. I also, Jay Randall comic, uh, thank you. This, I completely forgot about this because I totally am a Pearl Jam person, but if any, it would be the live version of Yellow Leadbetter. Ooh. I don't even know what that is. Oh, you totally know Yellow, I wish I had queued it up. You totally know Yellow Leadbetter. It's like a song like everyone who's ever heard Pearl Jam even once knows it. Is it go like this? <laughs> Don't you ever make fun of Eddie Vedder. You knock it off right now. Uh, we are going to music and commercial right now. Speaking of Allie's blasphemy, we'll be right back. Drop the subject. The new Channel Q. It's a new hour on a new day. It's the afternoon in most places. I think it's the afternoon everywhere if you're listening to this on the radio. If you are downloading the podcast, it could be whenever, and we appreciate you downloading the podcast. By the way, if you want to get in on the fun, like we talked about last hour, follow us at DTS Show on Twitter and Instagram, and uh, grab that podcast if you miss anything wherever you can, but at radio.com is where we prefer. So listen... We're having this great conversation off the air about um, basically that Ali should run for president. <laughs> I don't think that. <laughs> I, I never said that seriously. I'm just saying with all of the things that are going on right now, it seems like an ample time to throw my hat in the ring. Just because why not? You're just like, you know what? I, I don't know anymore. Just somebody who doesn't suck. And. <laughs> You know, we've talked about Joe Biden being the tuna melt, but then all these other allegations, it's just like, oh my gosh, you know what? Everyone's conflicted right now. And it has me thinking, I don't know if it has anybody else thinking, would I, would I make a worse president or would I still be better? Because at least I have no track record. So there's nothing where you can go back and be like, well, you did this and you voted on this. I mean, there's literally nothing. All I did was vote f- for Democrats my whole life. So, aha. Uh-huh. Which means Maybe. you should run as the Republican candidate. Okay, just, I will run as the just Republican for fun. Candidate. Just just to start things off on the right. Yeah, um, ah. I like this. Okay, so here we go. We're going to do this quiz of what of how would wow words would Ali make a good president? 
Yeah, it says that literally on the website. It's crazy. <laughs> it, it is crazy. Like, it literally says, would your Allie Johnson make a good president? So we have a few questions for your Allie Johnson. Listeners, pay attention right here because this, th- it's like uh, the CNN town hall debates or whatever. I'm just going to ask you some questions. You're the candidate. Um, so let's just say while running for president, um, uh, candidate Johnson, your campaign people managed to dig up some pretty bad stuff about your number one contender. You, Ooh. here's your answers. Ready? A, show everyone about it and make as much noise as possible over it on national TV. B, kill the people who found it, destroying the evidence, and then broadcast it anonymously. Oh. C, refuse to show it to other people as you don't want them to do the same for you. Or D, use it to blackmail the guy into quitting the race. Well, you know, it's it depends on what the pretty bad stuff is, I think. It's highly dependent on that. If it's something that they'd really deserve to be outed for, I wouldn't want people voting for that person. Mm. I mean, if it's real, real bad, like blackface yearbook bad. Okay, yeah. You're blasting would, that everywhere. I would want people to know about that. Uh-huh. So, why don't I pick... Show everyone about it and make as much noise as possible over it on TV. <laughs> All right. I won't blackmail. I won't kill the people. And I won't refuse to show it to others. But I will make the truth known. Okay. Excellent. Uh, all right. So, fine. I think an acceptable answer in these days. Next question. It's time to choose your running mate, Allie. You know, you can't run alone. Who should you pick? A, a notorious assassin. Who would dare stand up to you? Mm. B, the second place person in your political party runoffs. Very, very political thing to do. C, really smart and really responsible gal, but not as smart as you, because that would make you look bad. Or D, the man your mommy wanted you to pick because he was so nice. That's the strangest option I've ever heard in my tis, life. Tis, tis. I'm not sure how this quiz came up I with that. I cannot yeah. believe my cat was not on this list. <laughs> I... Not just I the lesbian pick... president, Allie. The president for everyone. <laughs> I would want Michelle Obama. So what am I supposed oh, to answer for that? Correct. Even Do you think she'd run with you as a, as a uh, Republican? No. No, 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 I don't think it's because she's... As a Republican? I forgot that I'm running as a Republican. You're running as a Republican. Um, so do I have to pick a Republican? I guess I'd go with Palin then. <laughs> Sarah Palin. Sarah Palin's your candidate. Um, wow, I haven't heard that name. I can see Russia from my house. I haven't heard that name in a long time. All right, next question. Allie, it was a valiant effort, but picking Sarah Palin was not the smartest move. And sure. you lost. It didn't work out for McCain. It didn't work out for Senator McCain. RIP. Did it. Uh, so you lose. You lose the presidency. And the cameras are on you when that news is relayed to you for the first time. It is election night, 2020. We've all stayed up too late. It's 2 a.m. even on the West Coast. Wolf Blitzer is like passing out. He's having seizures. He's been talking the entire time. And finally, he's like, we're calling it. CNN has announced the next president of the United States is not Allie Johnson. <laughs> we don't know who it is. We just know it's not Allie. <laughs> we just Allie. know it's not Allie. So, the world uh, heaves a collective sigh of They're relief. like, oh, God, thank God. I can't and video games and marijuana and cats. I can't. Blabbing so. on about her wife. <laughs> Ad nauseum. Um, do you A, cry, B, pound your fist into the wall, then take a deep breath, 
and get ready for the next four years. See? Tell your running mate to go uh, destroy your campaign managers. (laughs) Or... D, I don't understand this word. Unbeknownst? What's that mean? Oh, like uh, I don't even understand the information that's being That you don't even understand that the cameras were on, were on you. So, I, yeah. you know, Trump's answer would not is not listed, which is just to say that all the, the news is fake and that you actually did win the presidency. Oh. Um, which is I what guess you would do? I, I don't want to do the, tr- the stereotypical thing and cry. So I guess I would just do the antithesis of that, which is telling my running mate to go destroy my campaign managers. Uh huh. Oh, that's very Republican presidential of you. See, I'm fitting the mold already. <laughs> that was uh, Allie Johnson, your candidate, Allie Johnson. This has been CNN Town Hall uh, debate. You didn't really debate anybody, but that's okay. CNN Town Hall presidential debate election 2020. We'll be right back. Drop the subject. The new Channel Q. James is obviously a fan of some of the guest <laughs> pronunciations of Elon Musk's baby's name. Who's Elon Musk and his <laughs> girlfriend. I don't think they're married. Grimes, who I've seen in concert before. She's great. And they just had a baby. And he revealed the name of this baby. And it is Twitter is freaking the F out because no one knows what it means. No one knows how to pronounce it. It says that it's X. <laughs> Followed by AE, where the you know the A and the E are all smashed together. A dash twelve, so it's X A E A dash twelve. Oh my gosh! And there have been some speculations as to how to pronounce it. (laughs) One person said that it's pronounced X Ash Archangel, but here are some hints as to what the pronunciation (laughs) of the name was. How do you pronounce that name? This is another person guessing how XAEA12 is going to introduce himself to the classroom. I'm a cybernetic organism, living tissue over metal endoskeleton. I'm a cybernetic organism, living tissue over metal endoskeleton. So, Terminator. And then some people have guessed already this baby's first words. <laughs> oh my god this is just um, unbelievable oh my gosh i've totally lost my mind about this i can't even like <laughs> somebody else tweeted that there was like a screen popping up on Elon Musk's computer that was like, Safari chose a strong name for your baby. Where it's like a password. <laughs> oh, sh- shoot. I can't swear. Don't swear. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. This is but awesome. It's, it's like, oh. it goes beyond those people that name their kids like like you know you read all those down articles about doing like corona baby right, 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 right. things like this this is just but i don't even know if this is real like people are trying to come up with pronunciations they're coming up with these first words and you're wondering if he's even just effing with everybody because he tends to do that i mean we mm-hmm. i think we can all agree that elon musk has sort of lost his mind i think oh, that he lost yeah. his mind years ago and and he has that whole 
I'm a genius, which also makes me borderline crazy. I think he's gone beyond that border. But he has now said things like he doesn't want to own a house anymore. Yeah. He thinks that Tesla's stock is too high. He's selling his possessions. Like, what is going on? I, this guy has kind of lost it. And it's so funny because he is one of those, like, he's like a simultaneous Twitter troll and gets trolled on Twitter and... He literally has been investigated by the Securities and Exchange Commission for things he tweets out. Like that, like he he is as dangerous sometimes as a Twitter when it comes to his business as like Donald Trump is when it comes to politics. But he, you know, on just earlier this week, he was like, I'm selling all of my physical possessions, will own no house, which is interesting because he owns seven houses worth estimated somewhere over a million dollars, a hundred million dollars, excuse me, combined. Um, and he's just decided like, you know, he's, he's literally tweeting back and forth with people who are tweeting at him, which is another one of his MOs. And, Mm -hmm. you know, someone said, are you doing it because you need the cash or is this to protest the world burning down? And Elon responded on Twitter, don't need the cash devoting myself to Mars and earth possession, just weigh you down. So we don't know how to speak in pluralities either, but just possession, just one possession weigh Mm -hmm. you down. I Um, know that this is not your expertise, but is this somebody who has gone into a complete psychotic break and has lost touch with all reality? (laughs) So the conspiracy theory things would be kind of on par, like quite honestly, when people have their first like schizophrenic break, like it tends to be around something, what we would interpret as like a conspiracy theory sort of thing. So yeah, devoting your life to Mars, I would think falls in that category. I mean, it's, it's, it's getting there. Like, obviously I don't need no Elon. I've never treated him like whatever, who knows what the heck's going on with this dude. But, uh, he's, you know, tweeting things too. Of course he apparently in March was a, a, a virologist an epidemiologist and an infectious disease expert. Cause he was saying based on current trends, probably close to zero new cases in us too, by end of April. Well, it's May 5th mm-hmm. and we're now changing models to where we might double the number of deaths and cases that we originally thought before states started reopening, which Elon has been a big, big fan of um, reopening states, letting everyone get back to uh, work before you work the way we were before. And he was you know, sending tweets in support of the protests that happened this past weekend in like Rancho Cucamonga and Huntington Beach here in California and other protests around the country. Well, if you have not seen a picture of this baby, it uh, Elon Musk tweeted it out with uh, fake fake tattoos all over its face, and there are some possible guesses as to what to, how to pronounce his name, but um, and what his first words will be. So have at it. It's a fun time on Twitter. <laughs> I had to listen to that again. I'll be right back. Drop the subject. The new Channel Q. Drop the subject presents. News it or lose it. Tis time once again. Drop the subject listeners for news it or lose it. It's not a game, but I still dominate it anyway. This time, I have three headlines, and Allie has a clinger dinger binger banger. But, but, meh, that was like a four and a half out of the ten scale of clinger. Ooh, oh, much that. better. That's like an eight, dude. That's really good. That's like you X- have to make a toast every time I do that. Ding. I just want to... Hey, I never thought this day would come for my best friend. Oh, we're not at a wedding. <clears throat> uh, all right. Allie's got her clinger dinger binger banger. I have three headlines. Headline numero uno. 
pro volleyball player Dennis Del Valle comes out as gay. Oh, good for him. I don't know who that is, so I'm going to lose it. Lose it. He plays on the Puerto Rican national team. He plays pro in Switzerland. And he basically was like, there's a lot of gay volleyball players out there. Y'all need to come out and I'll be the first. I mean, <laughs> they have balls flying at their face. So what's not to love? They do. And if any indication of the number of gay men who play volleyball, like across the country and the world, is, is, is if that's any indication, like he's totally right. Um, all right. Headline number two. Oh. I lost it. Headline number two. The 2020 (laughs) North Atlantic hurricane season has been predicted, and it's a whopper. Mm, All right, sure. All right. This is (laughs) going to be a little scary. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) And headline number three, right? Words Mm -hmm. counting. Ellen DeGeneres' 2014 Oscars bodyguard said that the experience of working for her was, quote... <laughs> I knew I would get one of them. I saw this. I saw this story. I need to talk about it. I figured oh. you would be bring it up before I would. You're right. At some point, right? It, I would need to bring that up. So first, can we just back up to hurricanes? So we have murder hornets. Oh my god, they're a thing. We also have. I'm not sure if you guys listening have have remember this. There's this like thing going on in the world. It's just it's kind of new. Not a lot of people have talked about it. But it's called coronavirus. Right. Um, I think it's going to make some headlines. I think. So, add on top of that, they're predicting now that we're going to have 19.8 plus or minus four hurricanes in the North Atlantic this year. So that every year they release the hurricane predictions how many predictions do we think we're going to have in different like regions of the world so the north atlantic hurricane season includes those hurricanes that are as far south as like originating from near south america and then come up through like the bahamas and the caribbean and then go up you know hit like the carolinas in the united states okay so that's so that's the north atlantic hurricane season and um just throw up I just barfed everywhere. No, I, <laughs> oh, I had a hairball. Anyway, that's... I had a, a, oh, a furball. So, we're predicting 19.8, which is kind of high anyway, plus or minus four. So, they're saying we can expect about 20 large hurricanes, oh, named hurricanes, between June 1st and November 30th. So, just to tack on to everything else. And just as a little refresher about the actual number of named hurricanes that happened in the last five years... Uh, 2015 was 11, 2016 was 15, 2017 was 17, 2018 was 15, and 2019 was 18. So they are predicting we could- The most. The most this year. So on top of murder hornets, on top of COVID-19, on top of everybody not having a job and the economy being in shambles globally, we might have the worst hurricane season on record in about 25 years. Did someone screw up the math? Is this Y2K? Like, is there, is the mind calendar end in this year rather than the one that, like, there's gotta be. This just seems like the most cursed year in the history of humans. Yeah. Can we give her back? You know, everyone was like, uh, whatever, 2019, I'm out with you. I'm done with you. Bring Mm -hmm. on 2020. It's going to be the year of prosperity. It's an even year and all this stuff. No. Mm -hmm. No, you're right. It's like the opposite of I'm with her. 
Yep. It, <laughs> that's exactly what it is. Um, okay, listen. So, you know, you guys know I'm totally into this whole thing about, like, Ellen is maybe, like, super mean. Um, and again, we don't know Ellen. If she wants to come on the show and defend herself, we would love that. We, I like Ellen as a comedian. I think she's funny. I don't know her. But all these people keep coming out and talking about how, like, Ellen is sort of like this Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde or Miss, Miss Hyde, Mrs. Hyde. She's married. So that they, she's this funny person on camera and everyone loves her. And it's like, yay, Ellen. And then behind the scenes, she's like really, really intense. So besides the Twitter, besides famous people have been saying like, yeah, she wasn't really very nice to me. She had a bodyguard named Tom Majerak, Maharak, who was hired to protect Ellen when she was hosting the Oscars in 2014. Now he did give this interview to Fox News. Wow. Oh, okay. All right. Okay. So even right then and there, I'm like, well, could you have done something else? Yeah. Like, but, are you playing it? A, okay. Yeah. Um, now he does say he spent a lot of time with Ellen's wife, Portia de Rossi, who was very pleasant and carried on conversation with him. Well, she does um, seem like a nice lady. Yeah, she does. But then he goes on to talk about, uh, you know, what you see. Long story short, what you see on camera ain't what you get behind camera. Oh, snap. So more confirmations, corroborations to other people's stories that she is not as she seems and that she's not the friendliest person to work with. Okay. I will put that feather, that rainbow feather in my little cap. And I will gather some information for a proper happy ending because that is what is next. We wrap up the show after this. Rolling. I'm also Ling. Drop the subject. The new channel Q. Man, we're still getting responses on Twitter as far as what song people could listen to over and over again. Um, I think one of the best submissions has just come in from Vorp Raptor on Twitter saying okay. uh, this is attaching a YouTube, a long YouTube video of ambient music for airports. Oh, that might be good writing or yeah, good writing music, ambient music for airports. Yeah, but I would want it to be. I, I would want it to come complete with all of the announcements, like mispronunciations of people's names and that they need to proceed to the gate. Right, right. This is your yeah. last and final call, Allie Johnson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Please report to gate 12B. This is your last and final call, boarding plane to Wichita. Yes, your plane is boarding or any missing or unattended luggage will be confiscated. If you witness any, please, if you see something, say something. One of my dream voiceover jobs is to be one of those ladies. <gasps> Ooh, you should totally be the people on, on public transportation, too. Next yes, stop, the doors Lawrence, are closing. I, yeah, the doors. Please stand clear of the doors. You would be so great at that. Mind the gap. Like they do Mind the tube in the London. Gap. That'd be great. But then I'd say, like, you know progressive crap like the pay gap and then they'd be like what <laughs> mind uh, the pay gap <laughs> mind the pay gap bitches love it let's get into some happy ending shall we the yeah. show is drawing to a close but we did some great stuff on the show today talked about friend dates we asked the NP about our poop we talked about the most annoying questions that people ask all the time for just the tip Tuesday we found out if I would make a good president and Jesse told us and gave us an in-depth review on alien and much much more we also learned about the actual history of Cinco de Mayo and the history of tacos margaritas and the recipe for the perfect margarita if you want to try one at home but now is the moment where all of this culminates into a one-liner happy ending where you take something that was a little 
bummery and you turn it into something happy. James, do you have a happy ending, sir? Allie Johnson, we might be headed for what could be one of the worst Atlantic hurricane seasons in modern record history. Mm-hmm. However, we do know that hurricanes are the only thing that can absolutely kill murder hornets. Oh, that's true. Hurricanes will hopefully kill. Could you imagine a murder hornet would take a hurricane and just break it in half and be like, done, move on to the next thing? I got you, you, bitch. What? (laughs) Like, I own you. Yes. Okay, um, here's my happy ending. Mm hmm. Yes, our bowel movement schedule may be completely off. It might be a real horror scene in some of your bathrooms at home. Oh, oh my. But the good news is that since we're still in quarantine, you're not having people over, so you can feel free to let it fly. And really, the only people that have to worry about it are your quarantine partners. I know it's not the best happy ending, but hey, what do you want from me? (laughs) It's not a good happy ending for your quarantine partner. No, it's not. That's for everybody else. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. I'm with you. You're saving money on matches, candles, air freshener. There you go. Much better. You took it in a much better direction. You're saving money on saving money on uh, on. Yeah, on all of that stuff is going to add up. It's all the little things. And yes, you might be using more toilet paper, but it's going to balance out. You don't need any poopery anymore. (laughs) You probably don't even need magazines to read because it's just, you know, it's all happening without that help. You know, it's just like doing its thing. I mean, pooping is expensive and we are here to save you money. Thank you, Allie Johnson. You just really put that all into perspective. (laughs) Pooping is expensive is my (laughs) takeaway. And it should be the title podcast. You hear that, Jesse? Well, we will see you tomorrow. If you miss anything, definitely download that podcast. It will be available later in the day. And uh, as soon as that's up, we tweet it out so you can download it and listen, rate and subscribe. It helps us out a lot. And we will see you tomorrow for Host Swap. What is that? You will find out tomorrow. Drop the subject. The new Channel Q.